Well, I think it's time to start. I haven't heard the bell, but... Uh, Where is the bell? Oh, the bell's gone. Somebody's oh, up here. Somebody <coughs> stole in the bell. <sighs> you do that at the end of class, so we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> there it works. Yep. Well, welcome. You made it on time. Great job uh, getting up early and being here. So looking forward to uh, the discussion this morning. I have a few uh, back from spring break and good to see you uh, ladies over here. So uh, glad that you're here as well. So uh, we're going to begin. Uh, we're continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. So if you're going to be turning here, I've asked Jesse to lead us in a prayer as we begin. So let's uh, start with that and uh, thank God for the day and for this class. Jesse, if you could give the uh, mic to uh, Bob Surrett, I'm going to have him read a few verses as we begin. So yeah, we're picking back up in chapter 14, uh, still kind of talking about these spiritual gifts and kind of some of the parameters that they needed to um, control what they've uh, been given. And so as we look at this, well, there's a lot to get through, so I won't uh, dilly-dally in a trying to introduce this. So let's kind of just dig into this. We're going to take it section by section. Let's read 1 through 6 as we begin. So 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, 1 through 6. Bob, if you'd read that. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you to all speak in tongues, but even more prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? All right. So, uh, again, there are multiple spiritual gifts, and it seems like the Corinthians um, just considered tongue speaking as kind of the premier um, gift. Why would that be? Why, why would that be the, uh, the thing that was um, their most highest mark of spirituality? Well, what was going on in their minds with that? Ryan? Yes. Maybe even the speaker themselves would not understand 
That would be my understanding as well, that even the speaker, uh, again, this is talking in a different language, not just gibberish that no one understands. It's not like the language of angels. This is the kind of what we saw on Pentecost, where the apostles were speaking in different languages that some people could understand and some people didn't understand, is my uh, understanding as well. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, uh, you know, other thoughts on that? Why would they consider this as the supreme spiritual gift? Bob, any other thoughts? Yeah. Well, in, in essence, it was basically the first spiritual gift that was manifested when the church began. Okay, yeah. That's interesting. Although there's a little bit different uh, twist on that one, in that those who heard the speaking in tongues heard it in their own language. Okay. So that was a little bit different, but they may not have gathered that. Yeah, yeah. And it's more of a visible thing, and uh, to speak on the negative side, how could you say, well, you're not really speaking in tongues? Okay, all right. That, you know, possible. Yeah, I mean, because like, if you don't understand it, how do you know what it is? Uh, the FC Chorus right now is singing a, uh, a song in Swedish, and uh, so they're learning all these words, and um, and all these strange words, they're singing it. Chances are, they don't know what those words actually mean, they're just speaking it into a song and acting like they know what they're talking about. But there's really no understanding, even from the speaker to the audience. I don't speak Scandinavian, and, and so uh, trying to understand those things, it makes it difficult. Um, it, yeah, it seems like this spiritual gift was just cool. I mean, just being able to start spouting off in Russian when I've never studied Russian whatsoever, and people from Russia could understand me, that's kind of neat, you know? And so they're just kind of looking at this going, oh, that's, I, I want that spiritual gift. That's pretty cool that I can speak somebody else's language um, and not have studied that. Yeah, Vicki? A little closer there. Okay. Yeah, spiritual pride. I think that's definitely part of just that egocentric um, tendency that most of us have uh, being able to speak in that tongue that makes it um, desirable. Um, you know, there were lots of visitors through Corinth. It was a, a sailing town. There were a lot of people in and out of there. And so uh, being able to show off and impress other people uh, would have been, you know, Desirable. There, there's some um, kind of special feeling that you would get if uh, you were able to speak to someone who uh, has has a different language than you. And so that's it's kind of interesting. And so even this, what are the downfalls of tongues and, and maybe even language in general? Um, what are some of the problems with that Paul brings up 
that uh, are some challenges with this gift, and maybe um, we'll look at how we might struggle with something similar. Because I don't, I don't see anybody just uh, reeling off um, Portuguese in here uh, that's never looked at the language. So um, I don't know. So what? Let's see how I that. What are the downfalls or Downfalls of speaking in tongues. What what is Paul saying here that makes it um, less desirable than they thought it was? Carrie, the church wouldn't be built up. Okay. By that, because most people wouldn't understand that unless they had an interpreter. Yeah. Um, and then going through two different channels there. Okay, yeah, so there is a challenge of that interpreter uh, because if you had one speaking in tongues, there was supposed to be someone who was interpreting that as well. So that gives that indication that they, as the speaker, may not have even known what they were saying, um, that you needed someone else to now interpret those things. I don't know if you've ever spoken uh, with an interpreter. I've, I've had that opportunity a couple times um, when I went with uh, my father-in-law to uh, different countries. You know, where you're you're speaking and you know you're preaching and you have an interpreter there. It is it's a it's a challenge to keep on a train of thought to uh, hear your own words being interpreted and and you know is the audience connecting with that are they now do you see that they're engaging with that or asking questions with that and so it is a cumbersome process yeah and then verse 13 it says everyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret so that would make it a bit easier yes but if there's not anybody there that speaks in a different mm-hmm. language I don't see the purpose yeah. Uh, using that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, they couldn't say amen. Okay. All right. So there is that aspect that we'll get to later in the chapter where how can you agree with something if you don't even know what's being said? And again, that's the challenge of language in general is just as a speaker, am I speaking the words to you that you're interpreting to create that understanding in the way that I'm trying to communicate it. There is always that disconnect whenever you're communicating. Am I using the word that you think that I'm using and knowing exactly the thing that I'm trying to say to you and you're going, yes, I understand what you're saying. There, there's always that disconnect and I think that's uh, a challenge of language in general. Okay. Uh Or if you get an instruction book uh, from China, right? You know, and and all the words are just like that's not. It's all English, but it's just not in the right syntax. It's just not 
the way that we would communicate. You could just tell someone from a different place wrote this, and it's just like, I don't know, Joy Shepherd. I, I remember that fan that we put up just many years ago, and it was just crazy. And you even wrote the company because it was just like, this is ridiculous, you know. So I, I remember that specifically. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bob. In, in this situation, especially, we need to realize that uh, the interpretation in many cases was also a gift from God. Yes. So that's a little bit of gift from God. That's a little bit different than having your interpretation interpreted yeah. in things. So you don't know that he's relating it exactly. I, I would surmise that in this instance, if the uh, interpreter was inspired of God, he was getting it exact. But that's still a difficulty. Because mm-hmm. you'd have to wait until he finished so that you would know what you were speaking. And yeah. uh, everybody else as well. And so it's just not as profitable. Yeah, yeah. And languages are interesting. You know, if you think back to where those originated from, uh, you know, you see from the Tower of Babel, you know, God gave that as a division for the people so that they wouldn't just huddle up into this one mass of people to create and and do whatever they chose to do. That was a division that God instituted into the world to divide people up. And so it's interesting that this tongues is now this unification thing, but it's still creating divisions. It's just funny how we have taken that connectivity and then still made it about them as the one speaking in tongues. So, thank you. I'm confused. Um, so, if someone speaks in tongues, mm-hmm. and then they <laughs> That's a good question. Yes. That's, that's an interesting question. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It, 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 you know. it doesn't give any indication whether there is one or two in the audience that can understand that. Um, so, yeah, that is a main concern. I, I don't know that they're considering that. It's just like, hey, I'm going to do this, and uh, it's all just willy-nilly. We're all just going to do what we want to do. And I think that's part of the problem and the issue here. So, yeah, Phyllis. Deborah's dad, uh, as he was uh, trying to find his own faith coming out of the Baptist church, 
um, went and worked with the Pentecostals for many years and um, learned to speak in tongues. It's, it's funny to have him, uh, he can still do it a little bit, you know, it's like, uh, it just kind of, you train your, your mouth to, to move in a certain way and it's, it, it is just kind of this, this gibberish. I think it's interesting, um, we even sing a song of listen to our hearts. I think that's an interesting concept when we think about this problem of a language because we only have a limited vocabulary to express a certain concept. There may be a concept out there, but if we don't have the words to describe it or the receiver doesn't have the understanding to receive it, it doesn't, there's a disconnect with language. You know, so here's some of the words of that song. Listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing. We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are, but words are not enough to tell you of our love. So listen to our hearts. It's interesting that we sing that song in this vein to go, there is a disconnect with language in general. Language is hard because, again, there's always that. I have to know the concepts to articulate them into a word that I hope that you want to interpret and then you try to get understanding from those words that is always difficult no matter what situation that you're in you know whether it's whether it's a king james bible you know is that the words that we typically know yes we could learn those king james understandings and and work through that Um, often most of us have a, a newer translation that is a modern day words that we use and so there there's always that challenge of language um in in what we're doing i'll get a couple hands john yeah um i think that it'd be hard for us to relate to this thing because like i said we don't have somebody trying to speak in a completely different language than english but just as language can be used to bring everybody together can be used to divide as well in accounting, it was like, well, what is a credit in a cabinet? They simply mean right and left, but I asked somebody, they were like, oh, we just call them that so we can keep our jobs. <laughs> so everybody's confused with what we're saying. <laughs> like, a lot of times that is the way it is. And, and, and the, idea of, the idea of language control is kind of coming back. And so, like, you need to say this to prove that you believe this. It's like, well, I might be able to say something like that, but I don't believe that that means the same thing that you think it does, right? So, trying to divide people based on the words that are being used even inside of the same vernacular um, seems to be kind of coming back in. Interesting. Just the example that you gave about the song, you know, Listen to Our Hearts, it reminded me of Romans 8, where the, this don't know exactly what we should say, but the Spirit helps yes. to kind of yeah. articulate to God. I think that's really incredible to me. Mm-hmm. It talks through, kind of seems like language is a higher level abstraction, how we're feeling deep, deep down, you know, in our core. And so that's kind of a downfall, if you will, in that it's it's not always the pure intent and, and meaning of what I'm trying to convey. And, and so much so that you can know, and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, just thinking about making this question.
question about the purpose of tongues. Mm -hmm. um, well, the first time that we did see this was in Acts 2, um, mm -hmm. and you know, all these people from different parts of the world came here and they heard their, uh, the, you know, the tongue of their homeland. Um, yeah. Actually, it wasn't really necessary. They all spoke Greek or probably in their way. Um, so the purpose of that was to show that God was present uh, with the apostles. Um, and uh, just, you know, also thinking about the Mm -hmm. to uh, scatter people abroad because they were coming together for the worse and not for the better. Mm -hmm. uh, I almost wonder if these, uh, these tongues are kind of a reversal of that, mm -hmm. like bringing these languages into a unified body of uh, a otherwise would have been dividing walls. Uh, yeah, just uh, think about that. Yeah. Luke? Yeah, to John Wright's point, I think it's exactly what Paul's saying in verse 11, where he says, if I do not know the meaning of Speaker reformer to me. Right, so that's the thing. I think you're supposed to look at Acts 2 as a reversal yeah. of what happened back in Genesis with the Bible. Yeah, I think so as well, Leanne. I also think that it's just typical of humans to take something that has this deep spiritual purpose and make it more than it's supposed to be. I'm not sure this physical thing that, well, if I've seen somebody have it, then I can have it. Everybody's yeah. having it, we do it all the time. Let's take it further than God. Yeah, yeah, good. All right, let's keep moving on because we're going to just build upon this. Um, let's read 7 through 17. Uh, can I get a reader? Mitch, you want to read that? Uh, so again, 1 Corinthians 14, 7 through 17. Yet even lifeless things, either food or heart, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the food or on the heart? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the tongue, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and to the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the Amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For are you giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified? All right, thank you. Uh, so again, this, this problem that they're having is... Well, there goes, you know, Bill. He's just up spouting off again, and no one's knowing what's going on. And you got somebody else standing over here in the other corner, and they're, they're articulating something in a different language. And, and you're all just kind of sitting there going, what's going on? Like, I don't even know what's happening here. He's saying, you know, you can't just be in the Spirit if your mind is not also engaged in that worship time. That understanding, again, that vertical relationship between us and God and the connectivity, that horizontal relationship between us and others, 
if there's only this connection and you're not edifying, you're not building someone else up. You know, we use that word edify. Um, edifice, we don't often use, but as a building is a, you know, a building edifice. That is the, the building up of that. You know, one thing building upon another thing. And so there is this overall sense in this situation in the Corinthians where they have a distraction. They're not being engaged. They're not using their faculties to build upon their own faith. There's things that's happening. There are spiritual things that are happening. And yet people are sitting in the audience going, man, I don't know what's going on. It's just kind of, there's no engagement. And so I guess my question is, what are our barriers to being engaged? As you analyze your own thinking, your own experiences, what is it that builds you up? What are some barriers there? Or what does build you up? I guess we can look at it in both ways. Um, in our time together, you know, just being real and going, okay, how do I feel like I'm being built up? Well, how do I continue to add to my own faith these spiritual things. So, I don't know. I'll just throw it out there. Mitch? I'm trying to tie into that. I feel like I'm wanting some clarification on 15. Maybe this is the point that you're trying to make. Um, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the mind also. Um, is the mind there speaking to the heart? And Okay. Uh, from my interpretation, again, it's language, right? You, you have to interpret what is being said. I, I think there is this spiritual aspect that is happening with this one speaking in tongues, but there's no engagement. There, you're not understanding. And so, yes, something spiritual is happening, and yet I don't, I'm not being, I, I don't have it in drive. I, I'm not engaged into that gear to go, oh, that's what it means to me. Oh, so what? How does that affect me? Oh, when I walk out of here, how am I a better person? Oh, how am I being challenged with anything that is going on? Things can be happening spiritually around us, but if we're not engaged in that, I think that's what 15 is talking about, where um, it's just, there's got to be a connectivity between the things that are happening and how it affects me. So I, I don't know. Maybe different thoughts on that. Um, you know, sometimes people who speak the same language have trouble understanding each other. Uh, and the indication here is that the speaker didn't even understand. And, and so that, that's a key thing. How can you do anything without understanding? And so that's the need for an interpreter in, in these instances. And, you know, that gift had a purpose. But if the purpose for which it was designed is not in front of you, it's not doing anybody any good, even yourself. Yes, yeah, I agree. And, and so, in answer to uh, the question that was just posed, I think when he talks about speaking with the mind, you know, we, we think heart a lot of time, mm -hmm. but it's also referred to the understanding. Mm -hmm. We need to understand what we're praying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, please. And the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Um, you know, I've even appreciated in our daily Bible reading that those comments after, you know, and people engaging in that, you know, it's like I can just read the passage and go, yep, got to check. But if I'm not like, okay, so how does that hit me? How does that engage me? I've appreciated that. So maybe that's, that's part of that answer. So to me, there seems to be two applications here where you have one where if you're praying in a tongue, that it, that it can benefit your spirit, although with the understanding, you may not understand how. But yet, in this congregational setting, the focus should be on how I edify not only myself, but others. And that seems to be the, the big focus here, that I need to, um, you know, how it works and bears to be in, engaged in worship um, is that not only am I worshiping, but I am hopefully helping others do the same, and they're helping me do the same. And if we can't help each other, then we're not fulfilling that obligation as well. I think that's right. Yeah, there is a, it's not just, I walk in, I get what I need, and you know, everybody else doesn't matter. It's important for us to build up our faith, but it is important to know there is a coming together. We've seen that topic talked about, that the Corinthians had divisions, that they weren't Considering other people, I think that's important. Lisa, no. I was going to say COVID. And being <laughs> COVID, yeah. I mean, there that definitely uh, created some tension, some separation, some. Um, I'll just do my own thing, and uh, that definitely plays. It, it takes a toll on a group. Yeah, for sure. Liam. I think Jesus is so good at being. I think that's a challenge. I think that's uh, just not a difficulty, but it's a challenge to all of us is, uh, as we look at how, are, how is this helping or hurting or distracting or building up uh, the group? In, is what I'm doing just for my self-promotion or is it for the building up of the saints? I think that's important, Daniel. Jargon, yeah, religious jargon, right? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, again, just assuming that everybody knows everything, or saying, "Oh, this story, everybody knows this one," and you're going, oh, "I've never heard it," you know, and then you're ostracized. Yeah, that's a that's a challenge. Just never assuming that uh, people understand all of those things and we're all on different levels and yeah that can be a challenge yeah Lon. uh it's uh, again out of this chapter it's mainly communication 
Welcome to the club. <laughs> but, like, to me, this one is, like, pretty simple. It's like you've got two things going on. you got one where people are multilingual, and that's a spiritual way. If you've ever met anybody that can speak multiple languages, that is a gift. I can't do it. And I've met people that can, and it is, like, I feel like it's a gift. And then, and then I feel like uh, Paul's just telling the church, hey, Concentrate on what you're explaining. When, I mean, you could be, you know, like you were saying, interpreting. Yeah. What are you interpreting? Like, are you are you edifying? Or are you trying to get these people to Christ, or are you just showing off what you have to get? Yeah. It's a challenge. Yeah. Lisa. pushing on here. I want to try to get through some of this. Uh, let's pick up in verse 18 and go through 25. Got to get a reader for that. Um, Chris, do you have that? Uh, again, 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 25, please. I think God is speaking in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be babes, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by the men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for us is a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. If therefore the whole church should assemble together and all speak in tongues, and ungiving and unbelievers enter, well they not say that you are mad. But if all prophesy and unbeliever or the ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed so that he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certain among you. Alright, so again, there's this um, kind of reversal of what they've been thinking of that speaking in tongues is the dominant gift and prophecy just kind of is, um, is mundane. Um, and he's just trying to reverse these things to understand that it is for the building up of the church. It is for the group to grow. It, that is the, the main purpose of getting together and to building each other up. It's like, man, if somebody walks in and sees all this chaos going on, and what are they going to say? You're crazy. You guys are nuts. Like, this isn't helping anybody. It just 
spiritual stuff going on, but there's no engagement. We're just we're just showing off, and everybody's kind of popping up and doing their own little thing, and um, they're talking over each other. And, and Paul is setting them down, going, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna set some parameters here, and you're gonna control the gift that you've been given in a way that can help other people." And so he he just cites a couple things here: uh, the purpose of tongues. I'm just gonna mention these. Um, Tongues is uh, for this gift was exclusively to be used as a sign for unbelievers and the spiritually immature. I'm not sure how, um, I mean, I put a little thought of this, but um, that, that's what these tongues was to do, was to help somebody going, oh, wow, they, you know, they have a gift and only that gift could be given to them by a God that knows all these languages. And therefore, if God has, is working through this person, then they, um, it is to help them come to a belief there. But it's not really helping with that. It is for a sign. It is to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah and other places where uh, it is prophesied. And so these things aren't totally um, unimportant, but they are less important than what the Corinthians were making it out to be. And so uh, even later on, he's saying, I'm not going to stop people speaking in tongues. That should continue in an orderly way. But this is really for a sign for the unbelievers. Um, the prophecy is more profitable. Again, it's not right or wrong. It is a better or best situation. He's saying tongues have their place, but prophecy also has its place. And I think he's just trying to get the Corinthians to bring these things back into balance that they were off base upon. And so prophecy was more than just predicting the future. You know, we think of, oh, he's a, a prophet. He's told, you know, Nostradamus or something. Uh, it, it's not really what that was referring to. More of a spokesman for God. He was a prophet. He was speaking, again, that revelation from above coming to that person to then disperse it to other people. That was the more important thing um, you know, we see that constantly in the prophets. You know, that phrase, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, or declares the Lord, or thus says the Lord, or then he said to me. We see those phrases constantly through the prophets where this is the message that I've received and I am bringing that to you. And so that's really the emphasis that uh, Paul is trying to re calibrate in their minds there. Comments on any of that? I know we're moving along pretty quick. Uh, John and then Luke over here. Wonder a little bit of like what's what's kind of the context of this here today, because I know specifically with Catholic Church beliefs that like priests kind of has the power to kind of interpret God's teachings in the current context. So I wonder if that's kind of how they're seeing this idea of of bringing down because like if, if there was a person who did that today and said well God spoke to me and this is what he said we should do in this context like, we might have some issues with that so I don't know I, I don't know if that's a question for you today but just one for it yeah it, it is it's challenging Luke yeah you mentioned the next day 28 reference mm -hmm. now it's actually really interesting yeah so you find that 
God's talking about how the priests were misusing God's gifts, and it was resulting in unintelligible speech. And he talks about them being like children, and how and he refers to them as being drunk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Isaiah, what, 2011, I think it is, uh, uh, referring specifically to this instance and, and others that are s- similar to that. Yeah. All right, let's finish the chapter. Uh, let's read the rest of that, 26 through 40. Could I get a volunteer for that? Micah? What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a psalm or a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done to build up the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak in turn, and someone must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he should remain silent in the church and speak only to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is seated, the first speaker should stop. For who can all prophesy, or for you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Women are to be silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they wish to inquire about something, they are to ask their own husbands at home, for it is dishonorable for a woman to speak in the church. Did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone considers himself a prophet or spiritual person, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to him, writing you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, he himself will be ignored. So, my brothers, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything must be done in a proper and orderly manner. Alright, so we've seen this theme uh, many, many times. We've um, What the overall goal of worship is. What is it? Well, I mean, Paul has mentioned this um, in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 12, verse 17, verse 26, and verse 31. What is that? It is for the edification. It is the building up of the church. He's trying to totally emphasize what it is that we're here to do. What is our main goal of using the gifts that God has given us? What is it for? It is for helping each other. It is building each other up. And so, if that's true, and I believe that it is, how are you edified? How do you receive encouragement? What continues to build your faith as we come together? How can we do better at that? How can we uh, strengthen each other in um, our time together? Alan? I was just going to comment that I, I attended once a group called The Way, and they had a, a, a small group study. And what they did is they read this passage when, the, when you come together, each of him, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. And they proceeded to do that. Each one had something. One had a hymn, one had spoken tongues, one interpreted that, one spoke in prophecy. 
each one did something like that. And if I hadn't known what was going on, I would have been impressed by that because they had done exactly what they had said. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Mitch. That's kind of the vein that I was wanting to hit on there. What else, Jesse? Recognize the things that we're um, doing. Yeah, I think this group at Avon. You know, I've been to other congregations where amen is said and it is bolting out the door as quick as you can to get to lunch. I mean, it. This group, we can't even get you out of here. It's like, okay, are you going to lock up? Are you, you doing where the light switches are at? I mean, we sit and talk and and, and engage with each other um, and and. Yes, there are secular things that are being talked about, but oftentimes it is those spiritual connections uh, that we continue to uh, develop, and I, I applaud that. I think that's great. Phyllis, you can just say Phyllis, she's had some health difficulties and it's been difficult for her to come and be a part of the group for a long time. And 
we really appreciate when you're here and, and want to do that. But we, I think that's uh, an important thing as well as we look around the group and say, okay, who's not here? Who's, who does need that encouragement? And I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, Roy. I was going to say, you know, one of you gets a song, one has a hymn. We're really that same thing right yeah. now. Yeah. When someone says something, they're teaching everyone that's here. Or if people say, could we sing song so and so? And we sing a song. We are doing that yeah. everything right now, just not supernaturally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was encouraged, you know, people picking out songs, you know, younger men. It's like, you're leading the minds of the group. You, the song that you choose is helping instruct us and teach us and build us up as well. Other thoughts, Caitlin? I was encouraged when someone shared with me that they are convicted to change. Um, they talk about their growth. And okay. sometimes I'm encouraged by being convicted. Mm-hmm. Um, when I realize, oh, I, I need to open my mind up to that. That person's doing something I never thought of doing. Mm-hmm. And I see the Lord working in that. Yeah, yeah. There are so many ways that we can continue to do this. I think it's healthy for us to uh, just analyze what it is that helps us feel connected to our Lord and Savior, how Jesus is working in our own lives, and how that is transposed into our daily life. How does that look and flow out of this room? I think is important as well. Other comments, Ron? Like one minute. The, the things that we do outside of these walls, too, together. Um, I, I'm becoming more aware in the last, well, since I'm no longer working, about what happens, you know, in homes, in, in, in this group, within this group, and being able to be a part of that more now is, I, it's, it's very beneficial, it's very uplifting, and it's very encouraging, and it's very growth-oriented, um, all of those things that happen outside of these walls, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thank you for your thoughts on that. Continue to uh, just analyze your own um, needs there and how we can help with that as we build each other up. So we'll continue in Chapter 15 on Wednesday. Thanks, guys.